This is the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Now please welcome your host, Ed McKnight. Hello and welcome along to the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast. I am your host, Ed McKnight, and today in the studio we have me. It is a solo episode today, and the, the reason I decided to record a solo episode is two things that happened to me over the last week, uh, because individually two people had approached me, both graduates, one from high school, one from university, and said, Ed, I'm now out of education, and I'm looking to get into the job market, and I literally don't know where to start. And I've done some interesting things in the job market in the past, which is why these people have had approached me, and I'll get into what those interesting things are. And they just wanted help to figure out, well, what job should I try and target? What should I try and apply for or put myself forward for? And how can I land that dream job? So because I'd been approached twice over the, over the last week and have tried to help out these people, I wanted to, I first of all, imagine that there are a lot of other people who have just graduated from university. It's March as I'm recording this episode and they've probably come off the high of Christmas and summer and now really looking at the job market. And uh, similarly for high school students who, uh, again, are coming off the, the high of summer and are seriously looking at what am I going to do potentially with the rest of my life? Or what, what is the first step uh, in creating a career for myself now that I'm outside of education? So I wanted to record what I'm calling my definitive guide to, to job hunting. I can guarantee this is not the same old, what I'm going to say, boring stuff that you might have got from your typical careers counsellor. It's incredibly practical. It's incredibly realistic. Um, and it's a lot more targeted because my approach to job hunting is very much based in sales and marketing as opposed to um, careers and recruitment. My background is in in sales and marketing, and so I like to apply what I've learned in those fields to the job hunt. And, you know, it's an incredibly competitive market out there now. With the average job, when we've um, we've been hiring at work and I've been on the other side of the desk uh, reviewing applicants and looking at CVs, we have literally had over 200 applications just from seek alone, when you put up a job up on a job board. And so if you're trying to apply for jobs and you're up against hundreds of other people, the question you could really be asking yourself is, well, how do you stand out and secure that ideal job that you're looking for? As well as how do I just find out which jobs I should be applying for? Which are the ones that I'm really interested in? And that's what this episode is is about today. But I'll tell you a little bit about the uh, process that I I went through with these two people over the last week, and I'll build out the story a little bit more. So the first was a a female graduate. She's just graduated from University of Auckland. She's got two degrees, one's in art, one's in music. And and when I say art, I mean arts. And uh, she doesn't want to carry on with the degree path that she's got. You know, she doesn't want to get, get into art history or continue with music and become a music teacher. Those career paths, the kind of traditional ones that a careers advisor might look at and say, hey, go down this avenue, they're not really appealing to her. And so the question was, how do we take the skills that you've got from your degrees and the different kind of um, part-time or casual jobs you've done and repackage that for an industry that you're really interested in or for the type of job that you might be really interested in? 
The second was uh, the, the high schooler didn't approach me directly. It was actually a, a, a friend of mine who said, look, my daughter's, uh, my daughter's boyfriend is uh, has just graduated from high school and just has no idea what he's looking to do at the moment. And so could you just sit down with him and give him, give him some idea, just have a chat about what the different options are. And what I realized in both of these was that the process I took was very similar. Again, it was grounded in the, um, it was grounded very much in sales and marketing, trying to find a customer. And uh, I think it's very practical. So I'll, I'll start with that. Now, the thing when you're looking for, for a job is that you've got to understand that you are, being, you are essentially a business of one. You are your own business and you are looking for just one customer. So you have to find the right customer and you have to figure out where you can find them and then how you're going to target them and what message you're going to get across to your customer in order that you're going to put your best foot forward and get the most likelihood, the largest likelihood that you're actually going to win that customer, given that there are a whole heap of other people trying to get that customer as well. So it's highly competitive. And so if you start thinking about why somebody would actually hire you from the, from the start, or why is, somebody, why is the business looking to fill this position? What are the outcomes that they're looking for? And that would start with, well, if it's a sales and marketing role, let's start with that, or a business development role, then we know that the outcome, the outcome's pretty obvious, that the business wants additional sales. So instead of uh, trying to just pitch yourself as a really good BDM, how can you show both from your record or from the resources and the skills you have, how can that, those be used to sell more of whatever the company's product is? Now, you don't have to have actually sold things in the past um, or not necessarily in this person's industry, but you have to take the skills you have and try and re-pitch them for that specific uh, industry. So let's look at what that might actually look like. So the typical strategy for how people usually go about finding a job is that they go on to seek, they go on to trade me, and they look for a job that is already being advertised on a job board. They'll put together a quick application, maybe write a, a cover letter, a unique cover letter for that job, and then they'll apply, send it in, and hope for the best, hope to get called, hope to get rung in for an interview. Now, as because I said, most positions receive you know 200 plus applicants for each job. We need to take a really tailored approach for how a bit for how we go about searching for, for jobs. And the first thing I'm going to mention is, please, whatever you do, do not go through Seek or Trebi and just apply for everything. Essentially, you're spamming people with um, your, your application, which, which isn't targeted, which doesn't have any thought put into it. And if you're not going to put any thought into how you go about applying for a job, then you've got to really ask yourself, why would a why would a HR manager or a recruiter put any effort into reviewing your application when it hasn't been targeted for them? When it's not when you might not even be right for this job. Like why would you go about applying for jobs that you're not even right for? It it just doesn't make sense. So the the first thing that you're really going to make sure that you do is that you're applying for the right types of jobs. Now, just before we get into this, you're probably wondering, well, who who am I to try and answer this question? 
who am I to try and help people out um, with their job search? You know, I've, you know, you're probably thinking this kid's only had two full-time jobs in his in his life. You know, one working for the orchestra, the, another working for a software agency. What what does this kid know? What point does he have, or what authority does he have to record on the subject? Um, and I guess it comes back to where I started from. I was at Waikato University studying a mixture of economics and music. And I got hired by a little music agency that was based out of Rotorua. And they, they were particularly looking for somebody who had a mixture of business skills and understanding of the music industry. Now, I'll tell you something. I did not get this job the first time I apply, applied for it. It was an internship over the summer, uh, I think back in 2012 is when I'd applied for it. I got a big fat no. But... It was very encouraging because the uh, owner of that music agency, lovely lady, Elizabeth Woolacott, she ended up moving to Australia, which is totally totally tangential to this point. But she replied and said, look, you're the right type of person that we're looking for, but there's somebody who is based in, uh, based in my town that I'm going to hire rather than looking to do it remotely. So which is fine. And she said, look, get, get back in touch in the future. So a year later, a year later, it was uh, end of 2013 now, and I was desperately in need for a job over the summer. And I hit her back up. I sent her an email. I said, uh, Liz, you've, uh, you, you gave me this great feedback a year ago, and I just wanted to get back in touch to see whether, this would, um, whether there's anything going. She called me a couple of days later, and she said, I love your hustle. You know, you're probably the only person who's ever followed me back up, and uh, I want to give you a job. I want to give you a job over the summer. So even though the job wasn't advertised, I managed to land what was the ideal job for me because it was remote. I could work from home. It was part-time. It was paid. And it was in the music industry. And that gave me a real boost. So there's, there's some good experience, even though that wasn't one of my full-time jobs. There's some, I've got some interesting experience in that from that side and how I've got jobs in the past. Now, in addition to that, at the, that music agency, we essentially were recruiting and selling the services of New Zealand artists to concert promoters and people who put on, you know, people who put on concerts and venues and a whole heap of different range of customers where we were essentially recruiting positions, short-term positions for our artists. And it's, I, I think that the, the way that artists, musicians, particularly classical musicians, market themselves is very similar to how people seeking jobs, job seekers, uh, market themselves, typically, which is that they see themselves as, as a person and we're, we're looking for another company that is just going to hire us and they should hire us because we're a great person. And that's not necessarily how it works. And I remember Liz used to have a seminar that she would give, a workshop she would give for music students who were just looking to leave university, go out into the big wide world uh, where they were going to have to find work for themselves. And this workshop was called You're a Box of Cornflakes. And it's not necessarily saying that your services are commodities, that they can be bought and sold and picked up off a shelf like a box of cornflakes, but it was about changing the mindset of musicians to say you're a product you have a service offering and now you have to figure out a way to brand that product market that product and sell that product then deliver it so that you can be successful and it is very very similar to job hunting and that first of all you have to figure out 
what who your customer is that you want to sell to. Then you want to figure out, well, what skills do I have that I can um, that I can make a case for why I should be hired for this job? And then figuring out the sales, the marketing strategy of, well, how do I approach and initiate the conversation with the right types of employers that I want to be hired by? So that's one reason why, and we're going to get more into that process that I was just discussing in a minute. Um, but another reason why I think that it's okay for me. I almost have to justify it to myself of why, you know, why should I be talking about this? So this, um, this section's just as much uh, about me as it is about you for, for saying um, why I should uh, or why I have the right to record this episode. Um, the other is that I've won jobs that are competitive. So there is the music, uh, the music agency example I just gave. But on top of that, um, when I got my job at the, the orchestra, the, the or- orchestral jobs um, in the management of orchestras, that is, are hyper-competitive. They are extremely competitive because it's quite a sexy industry. People want to be involved in the management of um, musical organisations, particularly uh, people who have graduated and have music degrees but then don't go on to be performers. It's a natural step to then head into the management of um, artistic organisations. And so I was very lucky um, and very strategic in the way I went about uh, applying for, for that job and eventually winning it. And then, if, again, if I think about the next time I went to go and apply for a, a job, I, I'd spent about two years at the orchestra, and I wanted to I – was, I was dealing in sponsorship. I wanted to move more onto the client side because uh, charities generally don't pay as well as for-profit jobs. And that's, that's typically because they're reliant on funding and da-da-da-da-da. It's, it's, it's the way it is in the market. And so I wanted to leap onto the uh, client side and manage sponsorship for a large organisation. Now, that is when uh, a, a wonderful job came up at ASB because I knew the type of job I wanted. I wanted to work in a large corporate organisation uh, that did a lot of sponsorship, particularly in the arts sector, which I knew about and which I thought I could then help them better leverage, um, better leverage their marketing dollars uh, set aside for sponsorship since I knew the kind of tricks on the trade on the other side. And the dream job came up at ASB. Now, what I thought was, again, this job is going to be incredibly competitive. There's going to be a lot of people applying for it. So I'm going to try and get people within ASB to refer me to the right recruiter. So I'm going to try and get them to help me find the right person to talk to. And I'm going to try and approach this in a a different way to get a bit of attention, knowing that this is going to be incredibly competitive. So what I ended up doing was I jumped on Facebook and I created a Facebook ad. And this Facebook ad uh, was targeted at ASB employees. And um, so if if people on Facebook, um, they they say what their job is. So somebody might be a customer service person at ASB or you might be the marketing manager at ASB, blah, 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 blah. You, if that group is large enough, you can target employees of a specific company. So you could target the employees of Fonterra. You could target the employees of any of the big banks, any, any major organization uh, in New Zealand, really, or across the world. And so I created a Facebook ad that said something along the lines of future ASB, um, you know, look at looking for a job at ASB, can you help me? Something along those lines. I can't remember exactly. And so when people clicked on that, I then sent them to a website 
Uh, I think the URL was something like choosemeimdifferent.com. So every time I've ever applied for a job, I've always created a website to, to um, specifically share my, my, my stories and my CVs. And it just meant that it was much easier for people to share it around and access it rather than if you're looking at a CV on a mobile um, on a mobile phone and you've sent it through as an A4 PDF, which is great for printing, it's terrible to look at it on a mobile because when you look at a, an A4 PDF on your mobile phone, um, the text is really small and you have to zoom in and scroll around in order to actually read the sentence. So I've always created websites that are mobile optimized so that the content changes based on what the screen size is so that no matter where people are reading it, they're able to actually view the content and read it really easily as well as share it around. So sometimes when I've decided to create websites for um, for job postings, it's been that I've, I've created it and then I've gone out to, to friends or people I knew and said, hey, this is exactly the type of job I'm looking for. Are you able to please share it with anybody who you feel would, um, you know, either should see it or people who might hire somebody like me. So if you're looking for a a referral type approach to marketing yourself for a job, then you definitely should consider creating a website for it because it's for your job hunt because it makes it so much easier. Now, I'm going off topic. So I then sent these um, people who are coming through from this ASB Facebook ad to a uh, website that was specifically for ASB. So it was a hidden landing page on my website that was all about why ASB should hire me and the reasons for that. Now, the call to action at the bottom of the page was um, to click this button and it would open up a pre-populated email that said something along the lines of, hey, check this guy out. He really knows how to take ownership and follow up, which is TOFU, which um, is, is the acronym for take ownership and follow up. And I had already known from my conversations with um, some of my friends who worked at ASB that this was one of the uh, acronyms or a piece of jargon that they use internally to describe a value that they, that they want to encourage. Uh, and you often see, see this with businesses. They have, um, at, at our one, we have ORBED, O-A-R-B-E-D, and that's just a little acronym for... Um, Ownership, accountability, responsibility, blame, ex- excuse me, blame, excuses, denial. So we want to encourage ownership, accountability, responsibility. We want to discourage blame, excuses, and denial. And so you, if you can figure out what the internal jargon or the internal um, words that a company uses or the values of the company that can't be seen from the outside, if you can figure that out just by talking to employees of organisations, then you can use those words, you can use that jargon, you can use those values to, A, catch somebody's eye because they're already used to hearing tofu, 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 orbit, orbit, orbit um, within the organisations. If you can slide that into your CV, your cover letter, any of your marketing materials for trying to get a job, then you're going to catch their eye and it's going to be a little more emotive because they know, oh, this guy, this guy's done his research and, you know, he's using the, the, these words, these values in the right context. So getting back to the email that I just spoke of. So uh, when somebody came through the Facebook page to the website, 
Um, call to action was open up this email. It was already pre-populated for them to send off. Was talking about I take ownership and follow up, blah, 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 blah. And they just had to put in the, the email address of their contact or colleague at ASB um, and send it off to them and it would share the profile, share the campaign, everything along those lines. Now, I don't know how many people actually clicked that button and, and sent it off, but what I do know is that I got at least 10 messages from ASB employees encouraging me to um, to keep going, that this was a really cool campaign that they were interested in and that they'd sent it off to the right people, they'd help where they can. I got about three or four coffee meetings with ASB employees who just wanted to learn a bit more, not necessarily in the t- department that I was going for, but they were wanting to, to help out um, in some way. And um, I got a lot of comments, including, um, including comments from the C-suite of... Um, of, of ASB uh, saying this is really interesting um, great way to catch our attention you know keep going then the papers ended up pick it, picking this this little story up I, I tried to keep it under the down low and um, it got published in about three newspapers across New Zealand and so because I've, I've taken a, a kind of interesting approach to recruitment in the past I feel that I can share some of my experiences um that may be useful and that that will certainly help you stand out in the job market. And of course, um, because these because these people um, over the past week have have asked me to help out, I feel that there are probably others out there who are interested in uh, how to find the right job and how to specifically target to find the right job. So that is why. I'm essentially recording this episode for all of these all of these reasons. Oh, and the other reason actually I'll just mention is that I've also sat on the other side of the recruitment desk reviewing CVs, um, talking to candidates, and I've got to say the standard that I, uh, that I've seen is pretty poor. I'm not I'm not going to lie. Um, I've, I see a lot of untargeted CVs. I see a lot of people who um, are, are great great people, great candidates, but haven't really thought about the type of job they're looking for, why they're looking for it, um, what the value they can add to an organisation is. You know, all of these things that we can be doing to greater enhance our chances of success. So I feel that if I can get this message out, we're going to help a lot of people um, and almost selfishly, it's going to mean that when I'm recruiting, hopefully I'm going to get more targeted CVs uh, <laughs> and people approaching us. Now, getting, getting down to, to, to actually how you go about doing this, there are essentially two ways you can go about finding a job. There's, there's what I call the RFP method, which is request for proposal method, and the outbound method. Now, these are, these are exactly ha- kind of techniques for getting sales as well. The RFP method is where you wait for a job to be advertised on uh, Seek, TradeMe, Indeed.com, any of these platforms uh, or a supplier or a um, company's website, and then you go ahead and apply for it so that you are responder, responding to this request for proposals and your proposal is your CV and your cover letter, da-da-da-da, and you go through that method. The other is the outbound method. Now, it may surprise some of you to know that 70% of new jobs created um, aren't advertised. Only 30% of new jobs are actually advertised. 70% of them um, are shoulder-tapped or are filled internally or are... Uh, 
any other uh, filled by any other method like knowing who you want, knowing somebody, knowing the son of of this guy over here, or um, the the father's uncle's dogs, cats, da 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 da, of this person over here, and are filled by not advertising but by doing it through their own personal networks. So the outbound method is useful if you recognize, first of all, that there are a lot of jobs out there that aren't advertised and that the RFP method, method, as we've already described, is incredibly competitive. So that if there is a specific job that you know you want or a specific type of job you want and you you don't want to wait around for it to come up, then the outbound method is going to be much more useful in um, finding... The, your ideal type of job and by having less competition. Now, whichever method you choose, obviously the RFP method is going to get your job prob- most likely quicker, most likely quicker, um, since, they're, uh, since they're already being advertised and the people that you're then approaching already are, expect- are expecting you to solicit them for a job and um, have identified that they are in need of fulfilling this position. If you use the outbound method, you're probably going to be approaching people who you don't know whether they're looking to hire or not yet and um, and may or may not have a need for, for an extra pair of hands. But no matter which you choose, the first step is to define exactly what your ideal client looks like. We must get very, very targeted about what is the type of company and the type of role that I want to look for? So what we want to do in this stage, there are three phases within, there are three stages within this, is that we want to create a list of criteria for the type of job and the type of company you're looking to work for so that you will be able to very, very clearly target and spend time on the the right jobs with the right companies. So, for example, when I finished up my uh, university degree, I knew, and I had my I had my economics and I had my music, and I knew that I wanted to work for an artistic organisation, specifically on the business side of um, of their operations, and so I was looking for. So I didn't even go to stuff a lot of the time or trade me jobs because that's not where these, these jobs were, were advertised because I knew that I wanted a one specifically in the art sector. So I went to thebigidea.co.nz, which is um, where all of the arts jobs are, are advertised. And so as I'm looking through, I'm looking specifically at Auckland, usually Auckland-based jobs that are entry-level, that are artistic-focused, they have a business side so that I could pitch myself as somebody that has business experience and arts experience. And I had a list of you know five or six criteria about what I was looking for so that when I'm searching for jobs, when I'm approaching people asking for a referral to get a job, I know I'm able to articulate exactly what I'm looking for. Now, you're probably asking, well, that's great for you, Ed. You kind of knew what you were after, but how would we go about doing this if we didn't? So if I go back and, and mention what I did with um, the the university graduate that I mentioned earlier, uh, we sat down for about two or three hours and we started with uh, looking at 10 jobs that she was she had looked at and were interested in. 
So I said to her, look for your homework before we start this, go away, look at 10 jobs or 10 companies that you're interested in um, that you think, yeah, I'd really like to work for them either in that role or for that company. And so she came in and she had a, quite a diverse list, which I'd encourage, you know, going wide and thinking, oh, yeah, that company's really cool. That company is really cool. That job's kind of interesting to me. That job's interesting. And it's not that you're committing to applying for these jobs yet, but would then take those 10 jobs, put, um, lay them all out and look for similarities between them. So this, this girl in particular uh, had jobs like receptionist at Les Mills. And I, and I said to her, well, what is it about this job that made you say, I want to apply for this? And she said, well, I know that I want to, um, it, it's not so much about the receptionist thing. I don't want to be a receptionist, but I like the idea of working for Les Mills. I'm like, okay, that's great. So we're looking for a company that's kind of like Les Mills. Is it that it's in the fitness industry or the fitness sector that you're interested in? No, nah, it's just I kind of like Les Mills. It's a nice brand. Sweet. So we go on to the next one. There was a marketing position at Farmers. Well, what was it about this? Well, I like the idea of marketing, but I probably wouldn't want to work for Farmers. It's not the type of job that I want, da 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 And so we, went, we did this for about 10 or 12 different jobs. And then what we started doing was looking at the similarities between them. So she, what, and what we came out with was that all of the positions she wanted to work at, or all the companies, sorry, that she wanted to work at, were selling directly to consumers. So they're what we'd call a B2C company as opposed to a B2B company, which is a business-to-business business where you're selling your products to businesses. She was only interested in selling and marketing directly to consumers. Perfect. So you, now we're only going to approach companies that are B2C companies. Um, the other criteria that the similarity that came out which we were able to turn into a uh, we were able to turn into criteria was that they all sold relatively premium products so she was really interested in um les mills that again they sell um they sell a as you know, it's obvious they sell a premium product um she was really interested in uh, high-end jewelers she was really interested in fashion. She was really interested in homewares, but always on the premium side. Okay, so we're now looking for um, B2C companies that sell a premium product. And again, let's dive a little bit deeper. All of these companies had really strong brands. They were all really brand-led in their marketing. You know, if we think about high-end jewelers, if we think about... Um, if we think about Les Mills, it, it, it's not too salesy. It's all really branded. It's trying to create a very premium experience and position the brand as really premium in the customer's eyes. So beautiful. Um, we're looking for a brand new company. And when I said that to her, her eyes kind of like lit up and was like, yes, that is what I want. I want to work for a brand led company. Boom. Okay. So we're looking for a brand led company that sells high end products to, uh, to consumers and the reason they're looking to do this, we kind of figured out from our exploration, was that they want to encourage repeat purchase from consumers. Because if you think about a premium brand where they, they thrive on selling more and more products to the same types of people, because acquisition can be quite, quite hard when you're trying to position um, when you're only trying to sell a few products, um, because if you're selling at a premium price, you don't have to sell as many. It's less of a volume game. It's more of a, a value and price game. Um, they wanted to encourage repeat purchase and, of course, to find new customers. So now 
the, the beauty of this was we were able to write out a paragraph that she could use when explaining to employers why she was applying for their job. And when she when people asked her, what sort of job do you want? She was able to say, I am looking for a company that sells premium products to consumers and wants to create more of an emotive connection an emotive connection between their brand and consumers to try and encourage repeat purchase and acquire new customers. And now you can say that when you're looking for to people when they're asking you what type of job you're looking for, it, and if you can get specific, they're more likely to be able to say, oh, you should go and apply for X, you should go and apply for Y. Uh, and similarly, if she's sitting down and somebody says, well, why did you apply for this specific job? She could say, well, what I'm really interested in is, again, uh, working for a company or working in the marketing or marketing of a company that sells premium products to consumers wants to create an emotive connection with their between the brand and the consumers in order to encourage repeat purchase and acquire new customers now it's really targeted and you're automatically she's automatically going to differentiate herself from everybody else applying for those jobs because she's being targeted because she's being specific and in the minds of the, the potential employer, they're going to think, okay, this person's really thought about what they're looking for. They're less likely to, uh, to quit or leave us because that, that, this is, or certainly leave us in the short term, because this is the type of job that they want. This is the type of job that they are specifically after. It's not a random job. She's, a, she's really thought about the type of job she wants and why she's applied for us. Of course, then, now that we know exactly the type of job that they're after, we're able to look at her skills and marry them up with, uh, we're able to marry those skills up with what, with what the job requires and see, okay, so how do we position you or how do we position your skills in such a way that um, we can say, okay, if this is the type of job you're looking for, this is why you should hire me for this job. Now, th this person in particular didn't have a lot of experience um, in, in the type in the homewares or fashion industry, but she did have a lot of experience uh, in an analogous type of organisation. And it's getting hard not to not to not to name this person now because we're getting really specific. But in organisations that were based on subscriptions, so say it was say it was magazine publishing, um, and say this person was in magazine publishing. Magazines are all about subscriptions and getting people to buy again and buy again and buy again and target the messaging and target the brand so that it's meaningful for this individual person or for the people who are subscribing to the magazines. So if so, then you'd be able to take what you've done in magazines and say, well, I realize that what you're looking for is to encourage repeat purchase by building an emotive connection with the brand. Well, all the time where I've been working in magazines, that's exactly exactly how it works because our business thrives on repeat purchase, on subscriptions. And so I can take the skills that I've learned within magazines and apply that in this separate industry. Now, now of course, you can get more more targeted depending on how um, on the skills you individually have. Um, this person I've already mentioned was in was in the music business, and I kind of said, "Well, isn't music all about creating an emotive connection with an audience?" To which the answer is obviously yes. And so I said, "Well, if you've spent all this time studying music, trying to create an emotive connection with your audience, 
doesn't that apply to the fashion and homewares industries or anybody selling a selling premium products through a brand led strategy where they're trying to create an emotive connection with their with their customers and their audience? Which the answer is yes. So again, it's analogous. The experience and the skills you have don't ha- necessarily have to be directly applicable to the. Uh, um, don't have to be directly correlated in that if you're applying for a position at a magazine company, you don't necessarily have to have experience in the magazine industry in order to land that job. You just have to show how your the experience you have and the things you've done can be applied to this new industry. And that's that's really what we were doing in this situation. So you start with defining exactly what your ideal client is like, looks like so that you can then create that list of criteria about what you're looking for so that they, you can then look at the skills you have and try and fit that to the criteria um, that you've already stated and show why you're a good hire for this. And then you go about changing your, your CV and your cover letter that is specifically targeted towards these types of industries. So that when somebody looks now looks at your um, CV or your cover letter, they think, yeah, this person's really thought about it. They've really thought about why they want this job, um, what they have to offer, and what the outcomes are going to be if we if we hire them for this. Now, um, if if you take that for the RFP model, where you're applying for jobs that are already advertised. This is where you can get extremely targeted. Um, you, you should be, I mean, this is obvious advice that's given by most uh, career consultants is that your cover letter should be written specifically for the company. You should write a new cover letter for every single job you apply for. And your CV, now what most people don't tell you, but I think that this is the case, you should be targeting your CV and write a different CV for each individual industry that you're trying to apply for. Or as for whatever um, jobs, if they are quite distinct and different so if it was the fashion and homewares industry you probably you probably could get away with having the same cv for that but if you're looking at quite different jobs or you're testing out two or three different uh, avenues that you might go down have separate cvs for each of those and of course target your references based on the story that you're telling so initially this girl this girl that i was helping out uh, had the references she had didn't really match up with the C, with the story she was telling in her CV, which was all about um, ongoing subscriptions and and taking the the emotional emotive connection and applying it into marketing. Da da da. da. Her references were were mainly from school, and I said, well we need to then match up the references to the story that you're telling so that they can add weight to the story, verify that story in the minds of the recruiter, and then you're going to um, th- then it adds weight to your application rather than looking random. So that's another thing that I'd, I'd kind of suggest if you're looking at the um, RFP model. Now, if you're going for the outbound method, since that 70% of jobs aren't advertised, and I am having to look at looking at the time of how long I've recorded for because I could literally spend hours talking about this. Um, but if you're taking the outbound method, you should determine first of all, as we kind of said, determine what makes a good lead for you, um, and the type of organisations that are most likely to hire for, hire you. So if we if I use the example of the guy that I met up with, uh, it was literally yesterday. Um, to talk about, so this is the guy who graduated from high school, doesn't have any qualifications, and is looking for a, a job. Now he, we after talking about 
what what I do and some and some of his previous experience, he decided that he was really interested in being an account manager or an account executive um, in an advertising agency because he was he was interested in sales, but specifically interested in pitching concepts and ideas. Um, and so we said, okay, cool. So you want to work for an advertising agency or anything with account managers? Now, first of all, um, if we're going to look for what types of organizations have account managers, you can go on to either um, LinkedIn or Google and find out what types of agencies or businesses have account managers because um, there, are, there are a whole range of businesses that have these. But you can find out exactly what type of agency you're, you're interested in and do the same process we'd just previously described. Or, um, but for just, for, just for now, let's go down the, um, down the advertising agency route. And I said, well, you shouldn't apply for every advertising agency because, for example, although um, the company I work for, Hatch, is a web development software agency, because we only have uh, seven, eight, seven slash eight staff, we would not be in a position to hire somebody with limited experience. Because we're small, we need every single person to be uh, really, really onto it and to be um, billable. We can't spend too much time. It, most small businesses are like this. You can't spend too much time trying to train somebody new. So you're probably looking for, this guy was probably looking for um, a mid-size or large-size agency. Now, on top of that, I said what you're probably, because uh, th- this guy was in an interesting situation where he, in five months' time, he's going off to England for three months um, with, his, with his girlfriend in order to... Um, to just go on a bit of a holiday. So I said, well, you probably need to move reasonably quickly, so you probably don't want to go for agencies that are then too large. The reason being that if it's too large, it might be bureaucratic and it's hard to get to the key decision makers. So let's let's start with medium-sized advertising agencies. And then I said, of course, because of your limited skills, and I was kind of being very honest with him, um, you probably should look for privately held advertising agencies. The reason you should look for a privately held advertising agency is that you can talk with the business owner and the business, if you're talking to an advertising agency that's actually owned offshore or as part of a group like any advertising agencies that are owned by groups like Dentsu, Aegis or uh, Isobar, um, you're you're probably going to be dealing with somebody, even if you talk to the CEO of um, the New Zealand branch, you're dealing with somebody who has to report to Australia and there are more pulls on their their attention. But if you're able to talk to uh, the business owner of a mid-sized advertising agency, they don't have to report to anybody. They can make that decision and they can make that decision quickly because they don't have to follow as much process because they own the thing. So we we got super targeted, and now he's he's gone from not knowing where he's going to apply or what the hell he's going to do to oh there are probably only ten advertising agencies that fit that criteria in Auckland. So now we can spend the time and the energy really trying to get there. And I said, now if you want to take that even further, and we want to think about who's the person who's most likely to hire you, then we should look for privately held advertising agencies that are mid-sized, say 20 to 60 staff, based in Auckland, New Zealand, which is where, which is where this guy lives. And uh, we should probably be looking for agencies that were started by people with limited qualifications or people who started without much experience, something along those lines. Because if you're able to say, look, even if the, even if the owner of this advertising agency has a degree, 
but started it with little little experience, you could say, look, I realize that you, like me, started this with little experience. And most people probably said to you that, um, that you should try to get some more experience first. But I, I, I realize that somebody probably gave you a break. Somebody probably gave you a shot. And that's what I need right now. Somebody to give me a shot to show what I can do and X, Y, Z. And then you've spun a story or a proposition um, that is more appealing to this type of person who would be able to see themselves in you. So depending on what uh, industry you're looking for, if you're looking for an outbound approach, um, you you can do all of these little things to try and determine what's going to make the best lead for you. What's the type of company that's most likely to hire you and the one that you're most excited to go and work for? So from this, you then create a list of what I'm calling leads. Again, this is kind of sales, sales and marketing. Um, create a list of organizations and business owners or chief executives who you want to talk to to see whether there is an opportunity for your skills or your service in there. Um, and then you just determine your contact strategy. So this is where most people get really hung up on and they get really excited, you know. So uh, I obviously had my contact strategy, which is for ASB, which is via social media. Um, there, there are some crazy ones. I remember reading an article um, not long after I did my little campaign of uh, somebody in America who had posed as a donut delivery man and had shown up at this advertising agency and put down the donuts um, in the lunchroom or uh, left them with the CEOs, the chief executives, um, receptionist. And when you opened up the box of donuts, it had the CV and it had all the donuts in there, of course, um, as well as the CV and da-da-da-da-da. And so this person was able to differentiate themselves and... uh, do something a little bit quirky, a little bit interesting. And that, that was his contact strategy. Um, now, people get really excited and can get a bit hung up on what the tactics are. The most important thing is to determine the strategy and make sure that your whatever your contact strategy is, whether you're just sending an email, whether you're calling up, um, whether you're trying to get an introduction, whether you drop off donuts, whether you create a website and target it through advertising. There are, you, you could create a video and put it on a USB drive and drop it in. Like there's, You could send a video uh, uh, via YouTube to somebody. You could do a million different things for how you go about contacting these people. But the key is making sure that the strategy is right and then going about it and executing it. You know, so you can easily send 10 emails to uh, a, a chief executive. This guy could easily send 10 emails to chief executives of advertising agencies that they own, 20 to 60 staff based in Auckland, um, particularly tailored towards ones who, uh, who started out young or started out without qualifications or without experience. And very simple emails that don't necessarily ask for the job because you're not asking for the job right now. You're probably looking for a meeting where you can pitch the job. So you might go about saying something along the lines of in this email, hey, I realize that, you know, I'm a big fan of you, first of all, because you've done X, Y, Z, and you're getting really specific about um, that and showing people that you know something about them, that you've done your research, you know. So I really admire you because of X, Y, Z, and um, I realize that you've been advertising for jobs in the past and you've been looking for three account managers over the last year, or you might say something like, um, I realize that, a lot of the advertising industry loses people to overseas travel, which is a fact. If you um, if you knew that, you could say uh, so. Because of that, you're probably looking for for staff frequently. Now, if I apply, you might depending on how 
handy you wanted to go, you could say something along the lines of, now I realise that uh, that mo- if I sent you my CV, you probably would not hire me. Now that'd get that'd get you some attention. You might not not quite go that far. Um, and the re- the reason is this: that I don't have experience, or I I don't have qualifications. But I, my understanding is that you were in the same position, and that somebody gave you a, a, that gave you a shot, and you were able to show what you what you did, and what you were capable of. And right now, that's all I need is a shot as well. And so, could I have a fifteen minute coffee meeting? Could I exchange a few emails with you to talk about? Um, it, how to get a job in the industry? Could I exchange a few emails to do this? Could we have a half-hour coffee meeting? Whatever it is, could I talk? Could I spend a day in your office learning from you? Could I spend a day in your office helping out as an intern, or spend a week helping out? And then, if you like me, we hire you hire me, or whatever. Whatever the the kind of ask is, but we go through this outbound sales strategy in order to try and gain attention, get that first step in the door, which leads to a conversation about a job. Now, and there are a million ways that you can potentially target it, but these are some of the novel approaches you might take now of course whether you decide to go through a RFP or an outbound strategy is going to depend on um, the time frame you have available and the resources that you have so if you have parents that are able to support you then you have more time and some people have that, some people don't. If you don't, you're probably going to need to to hustle a little bit more and potentially get a stepping stone job, say a retail uh, a retail job or a job in hospitality to make sure that you have the resources or the, essentially the money to, to keep on living while you search for this, this ideal job since some of the strategies that I'm proposing can take a little bit of time. Um, and it also depends where you are in your career as well. Um, and and how much risk you risk you want to take. So if you're um if you've got a job in quite a conservative organisation, you might not want to go about a very public job search uh, because your your employer may have some concerns. Uh, and, and I can and I can understand that as well. Um, if you're not particularly risk averse, you might say, "Well, I'm going to do it anyway." Um, which again is fine. It just depends depends where you are. So you can tell, um, but what this really comes down to, let's start there. What this really comes down to is having a strategy for how you would approach and figure out what job you're looking for, get really, really targeted on the types of organizations you, wanna, you want to work for, the types of jobs you want to have, and then um, going about it in a strategic way where you are able to make a case for why somebody should hire you. That's what this is really about. And this is, um, I've, I must admit, I've never heard, the reason I'm, sa- I'm recording this, the reason I'm saying this, obviously, is first of all, I'm very, very passionate about people getting the right jobs for them. Because I don't think any of us should waste our time in a job that we don't like. You know, I just think flat out, we should not be doing jobs that, uh, that we aren't inspired by. And second of all, because I think that I've never heard somebody say this kind of stuff about the way to get a job. And I think it's really important that this information gets out if people find it useful. The people who I've been talking to over the last couple of weeks have found this this kind of approach useful. And so I want to share it and get it out, especially if it's going to help people find the right jobs for them. Um, and of course, I'm, I'm recording this before Easter. Um, we'll get it out. We'll get this podcast out in the next couple of weeks. Um, but we've got Easter coming up next weekend. And so what I'm planning to do is to spend some time over that, over that extended weekend creating 
workflows and processes and templates or just some basic templates of, of this information about how you'd go about this, these processes depending on whether you're doing an RFP strategy or an outbound strategy. And what I'll do is I'll include these on our website, nzyoungprofessionalspodcast.com, and um, they'll be available on the website. And what, I'll, what I'm also looking to do in the future, because um, I've gotten really into this, is to write a, an ebook that goes into more depth about how exactly you go about these strategies and including these templates. And this is also going to be available um, from NZ Young Professionals Podcast, or it may be another website, depending on how we go about it, but that will all be linked through um, nzyoungprofessionalspodcast.com. And uh, we're even potentially looking at now uh, creating a video series uh, or an online video course which walks through each and every part of the strategy that you could potentially take um, including educa- you know, helping to educate you a little more on sales and marketing strategy so that you can take this, these skills and directly apply it no matter what stage you are at in your career, whether you're a young professional who already has a job and you might be on to job three or whether you've just graduated from high school or graduated from university and you're trying to figure out, well, what is, what is the next step for me? Now, it could even be that if you're a young professional already in a career and you want to switch careers and how you would go about positioning yourself for that new career that you want to go down. So um, if that sounds useful, I'd really love to know because I'd, I'd, pref- I'd prefer to know now if nobody's interested in it than, than otherwise. Um, if that sounds interesting, please flick me an email, editedmcknight.com and just let me know, hey, that sounds interesting. You know, hey, this is, you know, it, it would be something that I'd be interested in exploring or just, just hearing a little more about. Um, or, of course, give us a like on Facebook. We are NZ Young Professionals Podcast. Uh, and check out our website, nzyoungprofessionalspodcast.com. Uh, we have a, a whole range of episodes that, uh, a whole backlog of episodes now that have been recorded, everything from interviews with former prime ministers right through to interviews with 22-year-old business owners and hustlers. Uh, so check those out at nzyoungprofessionalspodcast.com. So thank you for listening to the nzyoungprofessionalspodcast.com. Of course, my name is Ed McKnight, and uh, I hope that you, I genuinely hope that you find a job and careers that will be fulfilling for you and that you will be excited to go to work on Monday mornings. The New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, hosted by Ed McKnight and brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand.